Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. All right, my pleasure once again to welcome back to the podcast. After a wild and woolly postseason, which we will delve into the amazing travels of Rini and Goya, ESPN college football analyst. Rini, great to have you back on board. Jeff, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, so uh, before we get to uh, your your travels, uh, let's uh, talk about the college football playoff. And boy, we got a couple of semifinal games that really, really delivered. Let's start off Michigan-Alabama overtime. Alabama with maybe a questionable play call at the uh, at the, at the overtime period. Uh, give me your thoughts on that first semifinal. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, hats off to Michigan. Um, I thought Alabama would win that game. You know, the thing is, Jeff, and this goes for all teams, you, you get a month layoff usually, right, from your conference championship to these uh, these New Year's Day games or or the the playoff semifinals, and so. At the end of the day, you never know how a team is going to come out. You just don't. Um, and I tell you what, I, I thought Alabama would play better. And, and hats off to Michigan because I thought they played a really good game. I thought the, the, the coaching was tremendous. Um, so, yeah, hats off to them. With that said, that last play call, I know Tommy Reese, who's been questioned for it. Um, I kind of, you know, wondered as well uh, watching it. Like, man, because to me, when you have someone like Milrow, and, and so I thought Jalen Milrow was going to be the X factor in the game. He ultimately was the X factor in that. I don't think he made the plays he needed to make uh, for them to win the game. I thought he would have made more plays with his legs um, and complete some more passes down the field. Just didn't do that. So, but that last play I'm thinking, okay, let's get him outside the pocket. Let's give him a run pass option where maybe you can get him outside where he can throw it and or run it. They, they had been getting beat. Uh, between the tackles all game. I mean, give it up to that defensive line and defensive front of Michigan. They brought it to Alabama that entire game, and, and they won on that play as well. So uh, the right team, the better team that day, won that game. So hats off to Michigan. Yeah, not to mention, you know, uh, they had problems with their uh, shotgun snaps, and then yeah. Milrow was basically under siege all day, as you mentioned, how how the relentless their defense was on Michigan. Yeah, I, I noticed. I don't know if you saw that, but it looks like the, the center um, – uh, went into the transfer portal today. So he's probably, he's probably getting beat up on social media by Alabama fans. You know, I get it. it it's, it's a passionate sport. That's why we love it. People need to understand he's a 22, 23 year old kid. You know what I mean? He's trying to do his best. You know, you know, it's funny watching that game in my house. There was a lot of people here and they're all like, I'm sure everyone around the car, all 27 million plus that watched yeah. that game, a tremendous number. I'm sure everyone's like, I can't believe the bad snaps. And I'm trying to explain to people, you know, the center calls out all the blocking schemes. He's pointing to what they need to do. He's in, in concert with the quarterback. And then he's taking on, you know, 300-pound nose guards and defensive tackles that are coming down. Up. And I'm not being an apologist for him. I'm just trying to explain to people a lot is going on there on top of getting a snap back. So not not his finest day. He, he kind of had a rough season as well. So no, uh, no shock that he's going into the portal. He's – Gonna get out of there. Yeah. So, what was your take on the Michigan? You know, these quote unquote cheating scandal. What was your what your take on that? Yeah, and I, you know, I, here's the deal: like stealing signs, um, in and of itself, everybody does it. I think it's been it's been documented. Um, coaches and I, I talk to coaches every week. They're paranoid because most of the coaches around the country 
there's pipelines to, to all the teams, right? So, I mean, pretty much each and every week when I am co- uh, calling a game, um, there's coaches on both sides that somehow are connected to each other through other coaches. And so coaches are paranoid that their signs are getting stolen all the time. It was the manner in which, right, that they accused them of allegedly doing it, the Connor Stallions, the taping, um, which which kind of was was overboard and out of bounds. So that that was the issue. I know a lot of people are saying if they win the national championship, it'll be tainted. You know, I don't know. At the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, Jeff, I think the controversy and, and Harbaugh being suspended there at the end of the season, I think it actually brought that team together in that locker room mm-hmm. and helped them to play better. So we'll see how it plays out. Again, I don't have a problem with stealing signs. I think it was the method in which they did it. They went above and beyond. And that's where people have, have issues. And I would have an issue with that, too, once the uh, investigation plays out. Let me ask you this. You know, as an analyst, you watch a lot of game tape. I yep. mean, how easy is it to figure out what people are calling? Well, if you've if you've been in systems before, because football is kind of a copycat sport in that they pretty much everyone tweaks someone else, you know, because everyone comes from someone's coaching tree somewhere, mm-hmm. right? And so everyone's tweaking, and a lot of the the, the, the signs and the verbiage uh, it might be a little different, but it's it's all the same. So if you know what you're doing, like I had a coach this year tell me it's the exact situation. It was actually last season. It's the exact situation I just talked about. So they were playing a team uh, where there was coaches on the other team that had that had coached under the coach of the team they're playing, if that makes sense. So they're all kind of connected. And the one coach from the team said, one of the coaches on the opposing team, he, who go, he said, I coached with him. I said, he's a good friend. He's a great coach. But he, I, he said, I sat with him in the press box years ago. He is the best coach I've ever seen from the press box looking at the other sideline and stealing signals. He said he's phenomenal at it. So, I mean, it, it happens. Coaches know it happens, okay? And if you're good at it, you know, Again, during the game, part of the game, in the moment, it's 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 legal. You can do it, right? Mm-hmm. So, but now you'll see coaches when they give those signals in. If you do get a TV camera on it, there's usually three or four guys signaling in, and there's a lot of uh, dummy signals. Some are hot, and then I know for that game that I just mentioned, where they talked about that guy being really good, they redid their entire signals just for that game. So that's kind of the game within the game that people don't realize goes on each and every week, but it does. And but obviously the Michigan thing brought it to a whole new, whole new stratosphere, which I think really you know ticks some people off. Now you could also say this may facilitate something that maybe a lot of people think is long overdue, and that is the uh, headset communication. Uh, you know, so yeah. there were some tests in in the bowl season on that. So do you do you think that's uh, pretty imminent in college football? Yes, it should have happened yesterday. I mean, typical. College football, NCAA, it just makes too much sense, right? And then I, I don't want to hear that some schools can't afford it. Hey, guys, there, there's a ton of money out there. Let, let's figure it out. If a school legitimately can't afford it, we should be able to purchase the helmets and the system for them. I, I mean, I think that's somehow, somewhere. let's get a sponsor, right? Let's, there's NIL. I mean, it, it, we, can, we should be able to get it done for every team. It should, be, it should have been done yesterday, like I said. And then – you know, I did the military bowl this year and they chose. So the iPads that the NFL uses as well. So uh, along with the headsets and the helmets, teams could choose to use the iPads. And so in that game, Virginia Tech and Tulane chose the iPads, not the the, uh, the, the ear of the speakers. 
And so with the iPads, I think each team had five of them. And so if you were out on offense and let's say it was an 11-play drive, you come off the field, uh, your coaches are there with iPads, and you can immediately rewatch all 11 of those plays, mm. which is which is technology that's going to come as well along with the with the headset. So, yeah, it's overdue, and it's going to happen, yeah, hopefully well, next year. Well, you know, once upon a time, Bose sponsored NFL headsets. So yes. there's plenty of technology companies that, that are out there that, that could easily do that. So that's a great point uh, on your part there as far as that goes. So uh, let's shift over. Uh, before we go shift to the second game, uh, Nick Saban. So, you know, a lot of people saying this is probably his best coaching job considering this wasn't his best Alabama team. And how close do you think he is to nearing retirement? Yeah, I think he's 72 now. I mean, he looks great. He's got energy. There, listen, there's no way a coach like Nick Saban, like everyone's like, oh, I think he's he's not going out on a loss. There, there's just no way, right? There's, I just, there's no way. Um, so he'll be back. Um, I do think it was his best coaching job, Jeff. I really do. I mean, listen, you know, Milrow got his groove in there uh, in the middle of the season towards the end. Again, I don't think we saw his best game. And, and listen, pressure – and big stage gets to all of us, gets to everybody. You just don't really know how you're going to handle it. And so he didn't have his best game. I mean, the team didn't play their best game. Um, with that said, though, to get them to where they were to beat Georgia and win the SEC, definitely I think his – probably his best uh, coaching job because there was just so much going on there. So, But I think he'll, I think he'll be back for sure. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting, you know, Um see how much longer he goes again i think he's 72 so yeah we'll see yeah uh but obviously a very very storied career that's uh you you know he there's not a lot more he can accomplish right i mean he's done so much (laughs) i mean he could walk away today and everyone's he's he's gonna be the goat there's no doubt about it but i just knowing a guy like that and his personality um and really it's not probably even so much the fact that they lost that game it was just the, we talked about it, the snaps and the turnovers and there were some penalties. It just it just wasn't a good clean game and no coach coaches can coaches will can take losing a game when they know hey we played well the other team just beat us they were better that day um, you know and so they they just didn't play their best but again hats off to Michigan because when that happens a lot of times the other team forces that on you and again the bad snaps and the t- turnovers that Michigan defense got after it and, and they were the better team for sure. Yeah. All right. Switching over now, Washington, Texas, Washington comes out victorious in the sugar bowl and in another pretty, uh, pretty wild matchup there. Uh, give me your thoughts on that contest. Yeah. Great game, right? Great matchup. Kind of what we thought a, little, a higher scoring game back and forth. Um, I was wrong. So as an analyst too, you know, I put it out there. I, I thought it was going to be a Bama-Texas rematch in the championship. So I got them both wrong. So just goes to show you, man. That's why I don't gamble, Jeff. I, I just don't <laughs> know how people do, but they do. Um, so hat, hats off to Washington. Kalen DeBoer is just a phenomenal coach that I don't think gets enough credit. And now if you go back in his history, where he started, where he played, where he coached at the lower levels and just moved up, winner everywhere he's been. Um, so hats off to him. And then Michael Penix, listen, we all knew, uh, he's a good, a good quarterback, a great quarterback. Okay. Um, every time I watch him though, Jeff, he exceeds my expectations. Mm -hmm. He really does. Um, he looked phenomenal. Just the poise in which he plays with, he can make all the throws, his deep, 
his deep pass is are uh, tremendous. I mean, just you know the amount of air he puts him on and the touch and just and Roma Dunzi. He's and he's got the weapons right um, on the outside. So yeah, super impressed uh, with Washington and uh, just uh, listen. Both games were good. They were both entertaining. They were both competitive. Obviously, the viewership uh, showed that. So um, I'm looking forward to this championship game, though. Yeah, and, and of course, they had a great segment on Game Day, too, regarding uh, Penix and his career. Very injury-riddled. And for him to finally hit this apex, uh, you know, all the hard work he's had to put in. Well, he's a Florida kid, too, so there you go. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, outstanding stuff. So uh, what's your thought on the final? Yeah, I don't know. This is a this is just kind of like a toss up. I, I think I think Washington. So we'll, you know, the whole football gods and all that stuff. It's it's fascinating, right? Because of what you just talked about about the the uh, the uh, sign stealing scandal, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it is it's it's how ironic. It's amazing what a year the Pac-12 had. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's 108 years. I could be off. 108 years that conference of champions. It just gets imploded this year. It's going bye-bye, but yet they have a team in the championship. So it's it's almost like if you have football gods, it's almost fitting that Washington wins this championship. It really is. So <laughs> I, I think – so I, I'm going to play it that way. I think Washington is going to win this thing in a, in a close game. I do. Yeah. And, of course, it's a, it's, a, it's wild. And, as you said, the Pac-12, you know, basically down to two teams. Uh, they're going to – do a deal scheduling wise of the Mountain West and try to keep this thing alive. They got two years. They got two years to get six more teams, right? I believe they got to get they got to get the conference back up to eight. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting. Listen, the way conference realignment's going, um, you know, if if the TV money's there and, and and teams can move and it makes sense, yeah, they're they're gonna for sure. So there's gonna be some movement because they're gonna do their best. Those uh, Oregon State, and Washington State to keep that conference alive. There's no doubt. Yeah. And, of course, a team that could be on the move, Florida State, uh, you know, wanting to get out of the ACC. They were snubbed uh, for the college football playoff. You know, well, where did you stand on their omission? I think, in my opinion, the committee really did them an injustice by ranking them the prior week and really kind of put them on the banana peel. Yeah. I'll preface it by saying I'm friends with Mike Norvell. I think he – is a great coach. I covered him a ton in Memphis. I actually, I actually just texted him a little while ago. Um, yeah, he, he, you're 100% right. So were they the, 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 one of the top four teams at the end of the year? Absolutely not. They weren't. I mean, uh, once the quarterback gets hurt, um, once Jordan Travis gets hurt, he, they, were, they were not one of the top four teams. And it's unfortunate because I've been – the thing with this, uh, the four-team playoff – it's amazing, Jeff, that it took 10 years for this to happen, right? Because mm-hmm. the system wasn't set up, right? There's five power five conferences and there's only four spots, but it just seemed to work out every year. Well, this was a year where it was just like a, like a 10 car pileup and it just, there's nothing the committee can do. The committee got it right. They just weren't, but I am with you. I watched that North Alabama game, North Alabama uh, uh, at Florida State. It was a, they were a, a FCS team with a losing record. Now, I know at the end of the day, and that was the game Travis got hurt in. Mm-hmm. Remember, they were down 13 nothing in that game when Travis got hurt. So he's trying to make plays, right? Which you would think in a game like that, you should never be down 13 nothing to an FCS team with a losing record at home. Okay, that's the first thing. I know they ended up scoring like 59 points in that game, but when I got done watching that game, that might have been one of, one of uh, Florida State's worst performances. It's just, they just did not play good. 
So to your point, after that game, the committee should have dropped them mm-hmm. a spot. Instead, they moved them up. And they end up moving up to the four spot. And they might have been in the five spot and then went up to the four spot after the Florida State. But I am with you. I think if the committee would have probably put them at six, then they would have had that outrage toward at the end of the season. They wouldn't have gotten the backlash that they got um, at the end. And ultimately, I think players probably more players probably would have stayed and played in the Orange Bowl. You know, that that kind of that aggravated me. And listen, I get it. Players got to do what they're going to do. They're going to make their decisions. The, we're not talking about the. I don't want to. I don't want to disparage any bowl games, but we're not talking about a December fifteenth, you know, bowl game that pits two six and six teams. We're talking about the Orange Bowl. It's a New Year's Six. Uh, it's a prestigious bowl game. You get a chance to play a team that was the two-time defending national champion that's lost once in in almost three years. Go. Prove to the committee and prove to America that you should have been in the four. So mm-hmm. that really bothered me. It bothered me for Mike Norvell because he didn't. He doesn't have a choice, right? Right. Twenty nine scholarship players bailed out, and so I listen. If you want to opt out because of NFL or transfer portal, that's your prerogative. I understand it. Don't tell me you're opting out because you believe the CFP committee screwed you, so you're opting out. That is. Go prove to the world that you belong, that you can be in a Georgia team. Listen, Jeff, Georgia had a, had a, a big complaint as well, right? Mm-hmm. To say that they weren't one of the top four. I mean, literally, they 30 straight games, they get one loss, and it was to the to a very good Alabama team on a neutral field. Uh, but, guess they, they handled it with class, and they said, we're going to go to the Orange Bowl and play. And so I just feel bad because the players, and you, you probably saw Mike Norvell's post-game speech, which was – outstanding he's a class person mm-hmm. he's a he's a great coach he's a better person he's on the money i felt bad for the kids that stayed and played especially the ones where it was their last game like that's the taste you get in your mouth you lose by 60 points in the orange Bowl. it wasn't fair to those kids they were outnumbered they were outgunned 30 of their teammates that were scholarship players how many starters bailed out i felt bad for the kids that that fought in that game that it had to endure that endure yeah. that that's to me that's the that's the place in college football boy i wish we could try to fix it a little bit yeah well i know what kind of player you were in college you know i would i'm thinking even if the opportunity presented itself to opt out you're playing <laughs> yeah i mean listen i played in the night in early 90s it was it was a different era it just was i mean listen there was no nil there was no transportal hell we didn't even have internet and cell phones so it was just a different time but we yeah we played but someone, I, I, someone on social media, I don't know who it was. I don't want to – I wish I could give them credit, but they brought up a great point. So we see all these college players, right, that say, well, I'm going to opt out for the pros. I'm going to start getting ready, and I don't want to get hurt. But yet we have all these top high school players, because here in Orlando, the Under Armour All-American games going on. All those players are going to big-time colleges yet next year, but yet they play in this All-Star game. They don't sit out of the All-Star game, so – you know, are we going to get to a point where players are in high school? I'm not playing. You know, so my point is like, I don't know. It just it, it got went cattywampus somewhere with guys just saying I'm not playing, and then now it's just steamroll. But one thing they'll probably fix it because with the money out there now at NIL, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, if they start signing some contracts and then they let players 
uh, get paid by sponsors for the bowl games. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's going to keep players in. So, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> money, money does great things, but it can be the root yeah. of evil too, right? <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is crazy. So, uh, after the regular season, ended uh you uh went to work i think you were the busiest uh, college football analyst in, in all of america uh with the schedule for well first you started off with the fcs semifinal that was uh, albany right. south dakota and state and i love it all i love fcs division two division three football a yeah. lot uh you tell me about the the thrill of calling calling that semifinal well i mean i do too i mean they've always had a true playoff right mm-hmm. play and playoffs plural so it used to be used to be sixteen teams, um, and it was really hard to get in. I mean, only sixteen teams. You know, since they moved to twenty four, I love it. So there's ten. For those that don't know, there's ten FCS conferences. Mm-hmm. All ten of those get automatic bids in. Then there's at largest. So it really is a you know a, a good mix of the entire uh, FCS football world. Um, Problem is in FCS, they don't really have those big non-conference games like FBS does. So at the end of the day, you never really know what you're going to get in terms of like competition because like the Big Sky and the Missouri Valley Football Conference, which South Dakota State's in, is really good football. And so I did that semifinal. Albany came out of the CAA, had a tremendous year, but boy, they uh, they they got it handed to them. And that I mean, I. In my wildest dreams, um, I never thought in a FCS national semifinal uh, it would be fifty nine nothing. I just, I just never thought I'd see that, and uh, it just, it was, it got out of hand quick, and Albany just couldn't do anything. So that's like kind of the one thing. But uh, the playoff system in itself there is great, I, and those kids don't get enough recognition during the year. You know, oddly enough, Jeff. FCS is kind of uh, affected by this transfer portal and the NIL because what's happening now is so the the depth at the big time schools, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Florida States, the depth has kind of been hurt at all those schools, right? Mm-hmm. Because kids are like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a backup at Alabama when I can start somewhere else. So those kids are leaving, right? Mm-hmm. So now these big-time schools, they're looking at the group of fives for depth, right, to kind of sure up their rosters. But they're also going to FCS because a lot of coaches have told me, listen, when a kid's in the transfer portal at an FBS school that hasn't played, you know, all we really have on them is tape from high school. And he's, yeah, he's been at, at this school for two years, but he really hasn't played. They said, I, we can go to the FCS and we can get a kid that's on tape in the FCS for three years or four years that might have even been an All-American at the FCS level and has a year or two left. They go, we love getting those kids because we, we know the product they put on the field. They're All-Americans, and they're going to have a chip on their shoulder too because they got passed over and they're playing FCS. So they're affected as well by this thing. So it's crazy um, how everything uh, kind of affects everything. But back to your initial uh, question, yeah, I, I love FCS football. It's a great time, and it's a great champion out. I got that right because I do the FCS selection show for ESPN, and I picked South Dakota State, Montana uh, in the championship. So I got that right. Um, I picked Montana to win after seeing South Dakota State in person. I <laughs> wish I could pull that one back, but hopefully it's a really good game. Um, I'll be watching for sure. Yeah, you can do a reset on this show with that call. Yeah. So, so, and I, and interestingly enough, of course, you, know, you you called that semifinal. So they have an interesting gap. 
uh, between their semifinal and the final, which is being played this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and so that's kind of that's kind of a different twist to, to what, what we normally see. Well, and much like I, we just talked about from the end of the conference championships of FBS until you get to that semi, it's three weeks to a month off. And yeah, you really never know what you're going to get. You just don't. Yeah. And of course, I believe it was the very next day yeah. uh, you did the Cure Bowl on uh, on the radio, Bowl Season Radio. And of course, you were working with uh, with uh, Despina Barton and Jamie yeah. Say. All three of you have been guests on my show, so you know three of my favorites. So that's awesome. And of course, uh, you got well, you didn't get the worst end of it. I think Despina did because it was pretty much a monsoon. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. So um, I, I, you know, I did that game. That game ended the, the South Dakota State Albany game ended at uh, like 10 p.m. 10:02 or something Eastern time. And for those that don't know, South Dakota State's in Brookings, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. It's about an hour north of Sioux Falls, where the airport is. And uh, Bowl Season Radio had asked me, "Hey, can you can you call the Cure Bowl?" I said, "I would love to." You know, I live 15 minutes from the stadium. I said, "I got a game Friday night for ESPN." I, I said, "Ironically, I have a 5 a.m. book. I'm supposed to get back into Orlando at 11:30. If you don't mind me risking it, I'll do it." And they were like, all right, let's go for it. And, and I give a shout out to Delta Airlines because in a year where travel, anyone who travels, it's, it's been, it's been rough. There are a lot of issues um, could not have had two better flights. Cause I had to connect. I had to go from uh, Sioux Falls to Minneapolis and in Minneapolis to Orlando, two great flights got actually got into Orlando early, went right from the airport to Dunkin' Donuts, got my Dunkin' Donuts. And I went right to UCF stadium and I was actually the first person out of the crew there. So it worked out well. A little tired, but I love college football. And, and like you just said, though, I had it. I've lived in Orlando, you know, 24, 25 years now. I mean, other than hurricanes that we deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, just for regular rain, I don't ever remember it raining that hard, that much, that long. Mm-hmm. And the field, actually, the field held up great. It really did for that much rain. The problem was they had just painted – the logos, right, for the Cure Bowl and then bowl season. And just there was different logos. And that there was so much rain that that paint just came up. So players were slipping on it and falling on it. The field in and of itself held up. But um, it was kind of just a muddy, sloppy game. I think there was 12 fumbles in that game yeah. between <laughs> Appalachian State and Miami, Ohio. I, you know, so uh, it's kind of what you thought. And, yeah, I know Despino was freezing and she got soaked and, me and Jamie are up in the press box. I had my coffee. Sorry, Despina. But, you know, <laughs> the way it goes. So what was the backup plan if you could not make it back? They, they had a standby person. Okay. And so, yeah, so that's kind of inside baseball because it kind of happens with ESPN from time to time as well. Uh, you know, there's so much inventory and booking, and every once in a while there may be an issue. And so they'll get on the horn with someone local and just say, hey, keep you on standby uh, in case um, – person can't make it so yeah that happens um the standby thing happens probably more than you think not a lot but it happens Mm -hmm. um because you know you probably sit there and think with all the travel someone's got to miss a flight like something's got to happen no we try we try hard in this business never to fly day of it just but it happens sometimes i take it a step further i don't even like flying the day before like if I have it in a perfect world, like for a Saturday game, mm-hmm. I fly Thursday afternoon. I like to get to my venue, get to my site Thursday night, 
normally we have meetings anyway on Friday mm-hmm. and I hate flying in, like, you know, get up at 4am and just, I just feel miserable Friday. I'd rather just fly Thursday, get there. So that's, if I have my druthers, that's normally what I do for my season during my season. Okay. Yeah. Go for the least amount of stress you can <laughs> endure, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. So then, uh, and I, I think I have the correct order. Military bowl is next. Yes. And that and was so, uh, Virginia Tech and Tulane. Great game. Uh, and, you know, when Virginia Tech's in that game, you know, their fan base, that's a fan base that was hungry. They hadn't won a bowl game since the 2016 Belk Bowl. So it had been eight years. Um, you know, they were coming off a three and eight season, six and six. This gave them a chance to win seven games, win a bowl game. They sold that stadium out. It's played in Annapolis um, where Navy, Navy Stadium is. Um, and so it was sold out another and in another just rain, rain the entire game. <laughs> so kind of like the cure bowl, um, just kind of damp. And it actually wasn't that cold. It was about 50 degrees, which isn't bad, but it just rained. Fans were there. Virginia tech looked great. Um, of course, Tulane, you know, Willie Fritz had left and, you know, interim coach. And so Michael Pratt didn't play. So they kind of went through some of the Florida state stuff a little bit with their players, um, but uh, played hard. It was a good game up until the fourth quarter where Virginia Tech kind of took off from that. But uh, but the interesting thing with that is, so I've done the military bowl before, Jeff, so you'll like the story. Um, I did it uh, in 18, 18 or 19. And Virginia Tech happened to be in it again. It was Virginia Tech, Cincinnati. And actually, Cincinnati won that game. And it was the it was that year, Cincinnati, it really got them going to the great run they had with Luke Fickle. But the TV truck was all the way up against the stadium and the huge parking lot. So you know, I parked at the TV truck. It took me an hour just to get out of the parking lot. Mm. Cause again, the game was sold out. So I learned my lesson. So I pulled in because I had a flight. I had to get back to, to Washington DC. I had to get to Reagan national that night. I had an eight o'clock back to Orlando because I had to do the pop tarts bowl the next day. Mm-hmm. So when I pulled in that parking lot, I asked security, I said, Hey, I have to get out of here. I'm going to be running. And he said, hey, pull right here, park behind this police car. I said, perfect. Um, and, of course, the game took forever. It was one of those games where just the officiating, it just – it was long. And so I literally ran – and then we got a little post game we have to do. So I literally ran out of there, and then the weather was horrible. So driving back to Washington was like 45 miles an hour, but ended up getting there about 20 minutes before the flight, so it worked perfect. Uh, got back to Orlando, had to connect in Atlanta. So I got back. I didn't get home to like 1 a.m. Luckily, the Pop-Tarts Bowl the next day wasn't until 5.45, but got up, um, you know, got my stuff ready and, and went to Camping World Stadium for the Pop- Pop-Tarts Bowl, which was a fun game to call. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, before we get to that, as you know, uh, calling a game in Annapolis, that's a that's a, such a beautiful area of the country. It is a beautiful town. Uh, it really is. And so we were talking, a lot of the guys, because it's weird. So obviously Navy's in the American Athletic Conference. So mm-hmm. I, I, I call a good amount of American games. But their home contract is with CBS, although the AAC's contracts with ESPN, TV contract. So their home games are CBS. Mm-hmm. So the only time we ever get Navy is on the road. Now, Army's coming into the American next year. Same thing. So – the away games for Army will be on ESPN, but the home games will be on CBS. Um, that contract's up, I think, in two years. I got a feeling. So the Army, and of course, the Army-Navy game, which won't be a conference game, right. um, is still on CBS. 
But I have a feeling uh, if, if I had a crystal ball, I would think ESPN's probably going to try to get get those home games back into the conference package and then try to get that Army-Navy game. But, uh, yeah, to, but to your question, great stadium, great town, and, and so is um, is Army, two great, great venues. And I've, and I've actually called a game at Navy, at Air Force before, excuse me, uh, but I've never called a game at Army, so I'm hoping to do that one day. Yep, we got to get that triple crown there for you. Yeah. Um, Pop-Tarts Bowl, as you mentioned, and yeah. that was a, a decent game there between Kansas State, North Carolina State, uh, and uh, a lot of being talked about the promotion of Pop-Tarts, but, uh, boy, they they have found a way, you know. I mean, I think they kind of out-mayoed the Duke's Mayo Bowl with the Pop-Tarts sponsorship. <laughs> I have in the edible, uh, the mascot, right, it went, it went great. And uh, how about the number, 4.3 million viewers for that game? That's a huge TV number. For that game, um, of course, I did it on radio, on national radio. Um, good turnout, good crowd. And Avery Johnson uh, gets his first career start for Kansas State because, um, you know, Will Howard entered the transfer portal. Still don't know where he's going. Uh, but Avery Johnson looked great. He ended up getting the MVP of the Pop-Tarts Bowl. But, yeah, the promotions of it and just the mascot got a lot of play play time, a lot of air time, moving around a lot. And then, you know, the big toaster in the middle. I mean, the marketing was 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 tremendous for that bowl, and it was it was a good game. Two good schools. It was, it was the first uh, ranked versus ranked teams of the bowl season, so we got a, a good one right out of the bat. And in uh, the weather, oddly enough, it had been raining in Orlando the day before, and the yep. morning of that game, about three o'clock, it moved out. That game kicked, like I said, at five forty-five, and it couldn't have been better. It was perfect. Um, about 60, 62 degrees, clear skies, rain was out of there, so it ended up being a really good weather day, too. Yeah, it was a, good, a great, great, ex, excellent game. I got to sit uh, across the way from you in a suite on the other side uh, nice. and to enjoy the game. So, was, Did you uh, eat some Pop-Tarts? I got some Pop-Tarts. You, bet, you better so they, believe they it. Brought, they brought a bunch of boxes uh, into our into our the radio booth. So, of course, my kids are, my daughter's texting me, and she's, She's, it's like I'm at Publix. She's giving me an order of what kind of Pop-Tarts to bring home. <laughs> they brought strawberry in, so that's what I brought home, and I got yelled at. And then it dawned on me, well, the mascot's name was Strawberry, hence why they were probably handing out strawberry Pop-Tarts in the press box. Um, but then someone else I talked to said, oh, yeah, no, I had – there was different flavors floating around. Well, I got strawberry, which, listen, I didn't complain. I've been eating them all week. <laughs> yeah, I, I I managed to scarf scarf a few, so it was a uh, it was, it was good. It was it was good stuff there. So, and then of course you got to do the Florida Citrus Sports Daily Double with the uh, Cheese yeah. Bowl on New Year's Day. Iowa and Tennessee, poor Iowa, uh, the, just didn't have any offense to give. Uh, and uh, Tennessee, you know, had, is their next quarterback is is he the guy? <laughs> Nico Iamaleva, okay? It, it, we made a joke because it's not easy to say. Iamaleva. Um, Tonga Vailoa wasn't easy to say, too. It took people about a year, and then it was a household name. This kid's going to be a household name, Jeff. Six foot six. He's probably only 200 pounds. He's going to fill out. Um, I didn't know this. He, he's like an all-star um, volleyball player, too. Mm. Like a great spiker. I mean, he's very athletic. Usually it's like, oh, the kid was at six six. He was at great shooting guard or forward, right? Basketball, this kid played volleyball. Um, and, and I heard some rumblings that he may get to play for Tennessee, someone said, but tremendous arm can make all the throws athletic. Um, he's going to be a good one. Um, and then another one, first career start, 
great that they got him in there. You know, that the month, the month of uh, the bowl month and those practices mean so much to the young players, especially the quarterbacks um, to get in there. And they, they just, they look so good. Um, defensively, they look good. So yeah, Josh Heupel has Tennessee going in a, in the right direction. I felt for Iowa, their defense is for real. We know that they actually didn't play bad in that game, but when your offense is so anemic and just can't do anything, you just keep putting your defense in binds and they just, you can't, you can't hold up. And uh, so, I mean, Cade McNamara, who got hurt, their quarterback, he's going to be back. Um, he's not going to be there for the spring, but he'll be there in the fall. They put in a, a, a freshman quarterback that looked pretty good, that had some athleticism. But, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of felt bad for Kirk Ferentz because I go way back. I mean, Kirk Ferentz was the head coach at the University of Maine in 1992, so I played against him. Um, so, yeah, we, we go way back. Um, and he's a good coach. Of course, it was Brian Ferentz. His son was the offense coordinator. It was his last game. Um, was fired by the athletic director. So uh, they'll be bringing in a new offensive coordinator there. But uh, it was, I will say this too, Jeff, you know, 14 years I've been uh, an analyst calling games and uh, that's my first um, New Year's Day game, which I'm very thankful and appreciative that I got that game. Um, Cause that's kind of like, you know, you do a New Year's Day game. It's kind of like the pinnacle. I, I know, I know the games have moved around because of the calendar and TV, but at, at the end of the day, when you think college football, you think New Year's Day, um, so yeah, it was it was a thrill to be able to do that game. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, and the uh, the Citrus Bowl has been on New Year's Day forever. Oh yeah, so it's right. it's, it's kind of part of that tradition, uh, at least in later years for sure. So yeah, uh, no doubt. Yeah, um, and of course you know Josh Heupel. So you know he's he's been. I, it kind of hit, hit me. It's like wow, he's been there three years already. Yeah. Uh, you know, so this is about the time now where you can kind of see the fruits of the labor that he's had to put in. Uh, you know, because. God knows Tennessee was not in great shape when he when he took over that program. No, he's done a nice job. And, and Danny White going there as athletic director. I mean, they have everything they need there. Listen, it's a it's a it's a place that's won championships before. I mean, Knoxville. I mean, they know what to do. Now, unfortunately for everybody, and listen, you can I, I, a lot of people. Oh, the SEC is overrated. I, I get it. Like all the talking, they're bringing in two more superpowers if you will say what you want but you, you know texas is texas and oklahoma's oklahoma so it's only gonna, it's only gonna get tougher for sec teams it's gonna be a gauntlet but but that's what you want that's what you want in college football you want the best of the best going at it so it's gonna be fun next year and we didn't even mention 12 team playoff and we can yeah. probably actually we can we can pluralize it now it's playoffs yes. because we have 12 teams so it's gonna be fun we're gonna see some great um on-campus matchups uh, as well. So I, I'm thrilled for that. And so, you know, and, and getting back to the Florida State thing, that's the thing that kind of ticked me off was people got in the way of that. We should have been 12 this year. So mm-hmm. we should have been, people should have been bitching about Florida State's seed, not that they didn't get in, really, yeah. is what, what should have happened this year. But, you know, it is what it is. We got, we got the last year of four. Um, so let's, uh, we'll, you know, we'll enjoy this championship game. And, and again, uh, numbers were great. So people are watching, but I cannot wait for 12. I think it's going to be great for the sport and someone else posted. And I, I agree with them wholeheartedly. Like it's not, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, college football's ruined. It's just, it's not, it's just different. It, everything, yeah. everything changes. I mean, there's some things you don't have to like. It doesn't mean it's, it's, it's ruined or it's, it's worse than it was. It's just different. 
And people, it's still popular. It's still passion. You know, fan bases are still passionate. Um, every, you know, everyone out there went to a college somewhere. So they, they grew up in an area. So they're passionate about a team. And that's what I love about college football. I just think there's more passion in college football than the NFL. And that's why I've just, I've always gravitated towards uh, college football. Yeah. Although I will say passion plus social media sometimes can be a little bit. (laughs) Listen, you know, we could do, Jeff, we could do a whole show on social media. I mean, listen, I'm not going to be get off my long guy, Mm. but this thing right here for all the great stuff you can do. And, you know, just, you know, little computer right in your hand. It's, uh, it's hurt society. I really think it has. I listen, I have two college age daughters. Mm. Okay. Um, they, they, it's hard for kids these days to like look someone in the eye, shake their hand and have a conversation because they just don't do it. Right. They're texting or they're, they're, they're on social media. And, and also to your point, it's like the, this, the, the immediate gratification. Did I get a like on this Instagram post? Now listen, I'm on there too. Like I get it. It's like a necessary evil because I'm in, I'm in the media world. Um, but if I, listen, you talked about when I was a player, how simple life was when if you did have a cell phone, which back then very few did, if if it was a flip phone, um, there was no internet. You know what (laughs) I mean? You actually went to the school library, pulled books and looked stuff up and and cited and cited from the books. And you, you, I had a word processor, uh, in, in college. So I was, that was fancy. People are like, what the hell's a word processor? But that's what I had. So, um, but yeah, I mean, listen, but again, like kind of like college football, like I could say, oh, society's ruined because of, because of technology. It's, it's different. It's just different and you have to adapt. Yeah. The only thing that I, that I find, well, you know, there's a lot of great information because I do like to get information, uh, sure. you know, via Twitter. I think it's, I think it's fantastic for that. But then you get these people who are hiding behind an avatar oh, yeah. and, a, and a screen name that are, you know, just abusive to fans, to players that, you know, they would never, ever say that the things they say to their no, fans. They'd, they'd, get, they'd get punched right in the mouth, right? If they did that in, in, in public. And so, yeah, the keyboard warriors, I, I, I could not agree with you more. Like that, that's the worst part. So like for me, even me, and I'm, you know, I'm a low level ESPN analyst. Um, but I don't check social media because you're all, someone always gets mad at you or doesn't like you always. Mm-hmm. And so, you, you know, you can say things don't bother you, but if you scroll through a bunch of stuff where people are just demeaning you and they saying saying you're horrible at your job and blah, blah, blah. And you can be like, Oh, listen, it doesn't matter, which it doesn't, but in your mind, it, it still bothers you. Right. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. I don't even, I don't even check, you know, I don't, I don't go on. It's just, it's just not worth it. You know, it's just, you get aggravated. So the bad thing is I know there's also people that reach out with really nice things. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately you don't see those because you don't want to see the bad. So you just kind of like, eh, I just let it go. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a different world we live in, but I I agree with you there. The, The keyboard warriors drive me nuts. Yeah, it is crazy stuff, but thankfully I will say, you know, Twitter helped, we get connected to you and yeah. uh, it's always, there's, there's, there's a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So. And like, you know, and it keeps you connected with people. So like you, I got, you know, a couple of different people reached out to me. Um, I want to say was it might've Twitter might've been Instagram. Um, same thing. Hey, sports show podcast. Can you come on? Absolutely. So yeah, I love that, that it connects 
I mean, that's the true social media part of it where it brings us together and gives a lot of people really not good, great platforms like you have, Jeff. And it's just uh, that part of it's great. But unfortunately, with the good, we got to take the bad with it. So, oh, well. Yeah, that, that, that we will we will we'll, we'll stick with the good wherever we can. Um, and of course, now you now your 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 football season's over. I mean, is do you do you have a little bit of withdrawal? like right away or do you not yet? I won't yet. I mean, so when the championship game ends next week, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, look back on the season. I mean, I already had, I mean, it's funny. We don't mess around with ESPN. I mean, I already had a, um, a meeting with my boss kind of go, going on that went over our season already. I mean, got right into it. Um, so yeah. Um, but Towards the end of the year, you're just you're kind of ready to like. I feel bad for my play by play partners because they don't have a chance to like digest. They go right into basketball usually, mm-hmm. so they just keep going. Um, so that's why they they play by play guys and gals have better uh, airline status than just the analysts because they're flying a lot more. But they don't they don't get a chance to like com- decompress where I do. So I'll you know like I said, I already talked to my boss, so that part I'm good. I'll decompress for a month and then. The good thing is uh, with spring football, before you know it, spring football will be here, and I'll, I'll do one or two spring games, and that'll kind of get the juices flowing again, and then there'll be a little break before um, the summertime comes. So to me, it's like the perfect perfect break. Yeah, so spring is kind of like your exhibition season, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's kind of laid back. You just kind of start diving into it. And the hardest thing for me and for a lot of people now is um, – the transfer portal, right? Just trying to pay attention. Like it's almost impossible. So, you know, everyone, everyone gets uh, Phil Steele's magazine, right? You probably get everyone gets yeah. Phil Steele's <laughs> magazine. So it's, it's, it's chalked with, with information. The problem now is how do you print a magazine with the transfer portal? Because you print something one day, right? It goes out to press and then, you know, a month later, all these teams are different. And so, and I've actually said something to him about it. So he, he pushes his digital magazine because he can update it. Um, but yeah, it's just a different world we live in, in terms of just trying to keep track of who's where. And inevitably I'll do a game this year and I'll be doing prep and I'll be like, Holy cow. I didn't know he was on this team. You know, it happens every year now. So again, that's the, the newness we have to deal with. Yeah. Well, Congrats on another uh, fine season and all that in 2023. We wish the best for you in 2024, and uh, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, Jeff. Happy New Year's to you, and hope uh, you have a great 2024 as well. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Cell is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.